the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. I can do all things in all circumstances because Christ strengthens me. He'll strengthen me when I don't have much food on the table. He'll strengthen me when I have more food than I need. That's Paul's point about contentment. Contentment means I am satisfied with the fact that God has given me exactly what he wants me to have, and he'll give me the grace to handle any and every situation. Hello, this is Peter Silseth, and I would like to welcome you to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is leading us in a series of studies from Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries adapts his expository or verse by verse messages into radio format. We hope these daily Bible classes of the air are encouraging and challenging you. In the passage we are considering in this series, Jesus gave his instructions to his disciples for their first short-term missions trip. Some of those instructions might seem a little strange if we read them in isolation from the rest of the scriptures. But when we see how this particular passage meshes with the later teachings of Jesus and those of Paul, we can gain valuable truths to apply to our own lives as we seek to serve Christ. One important lesson Jesus was teaching his disciples in this passage was to trust him for everything. We know in our heads that God is completely trustworthy. He is good. He has our best interests in mind. Uh, Not what we think is best, but what is really best. And he has the power to carry out his plans. Yet living out that trust is a lot harder than acknowledging it. We will learn some helpful applications today, especially for those of us in full-time vocational ministry. Yet all of us who are Christ followers should be involved in ministry, so there is something here for each of us who trust Christ as Savior. In our last class, Pastor Steve explained that those who minister are not to charge for that ministry. If that is true, how does the full-time minister put food on his table? Here is Pastor Steve with the other part of the equation. There is a third point and an important point of application that emerges from the statement, the worker is worthy of his support. And it's this, those who are ministered to free of charge need to be thoughtful and sensitive to give generously to their ministers. And sadly, there are many churches that are not generous with their ministers. Now, that is not the case at Lakeside, and I'm not saying anything to benefit from this message, but there are many, many churches made up of elder and deacon boards who take advantage of their dedicated ministers by being incredibly frugal in the salary they give them. Instead of thinking 
which is, would be biblical about how generous they should be with their pastor, their perspective is, and, and believe me, you may not hear from pastors about this, but I know that this is, this is prevalent. Their perspective is, how little can we get by paying him? Listen, I know of a church whose pastor is really struggling financially. He is having a very, very difficult time just paying his bills because he's so poorly paid. Yet this church, note this, is sending several thousand dollars a year to missionaries around the world. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm all for supporting missionaries around the world and missionaries who minister to other people, but not a church should never do that at the neglect of the man who faithfully ministers to his people every week. They have a pastor who can't even pay his bills, but they're sending thousands to other missionaries who aren't even ministering to them. I think that's a travesty. I think that's that's horrible. Listen to what Paul told the Galatians. Galatians 6.6, Paul wrote this, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Did you note that? In other words, those who teach God's word are to be financially and materially supported by those they teach. Their first priority is taking care of the one who ministers to them, not taking care of somebody who ministers to someone around the world, as important as that might be. And it is. And more than just supply their bare needs, which is what many elder and deacon boards think, in light of what Paul said about double honor, they should be as generous as possible. Notice how the church at Philippi was so generous with the Apostle Paul. I'd like you to look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. This, uh, this is a church that Paul had a deep love relationship with, and, and no wonder. They loved him and appreciated him greatly and expressed that financially to him. They didn't just tell him they, they appreciated him. They showed him that they appreciated him. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, Paul, Paul writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. What Paul means is that this is a church who, who lost touch with the Apostle Paul. They, they didn't have modern-day communications in the first century. They couldn't write an email to somebody saying, hey, where is Paul? We've lost contact with him. Paul ended up in, in prison under house arrest in the city of Rome, and now he's saying, you finally found me. I'm not sure how they found them, but now you know. You've been concerned about me, but now you know where I am and you've revived that concern. Verse 11. The concern, by the way, was to help him financially. Verse 11 says, Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. Paul said, I'm, I'm not writing this because I want anything from you, because I've learned to be content. And he says, he explains in verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, nevertheless, he's saying, I'm content, but nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. And he's talking about finances and supplies. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church, now this is so sad, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. Paul said, you're the only church who was thoughtful. You're the only church who who thought, could this man need our financial support? Could this man need some extra supplies? Could you imagine, of all the churches Paul ministered to, it never dawned on them that here's a guy who needed something. Did it never cross their minds to say, Paul, how can we help you? 
Paul said, you're the only ones who thought about me. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. What a wonderful church. Unless you think, well, sure, this is a wealthy church. No, no, these are the poor Macedonians. These were people who were living at poverty level themselves, but they were thoughtful. Verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift itself. He said, it really... For me, my ministry is not about seeking anything from you, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. In other words, I seek for, for this to benefit you spiritually as you invest in God's kingdom. But I have received everything in, a, in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. Now notice that's the generosity. He said, what you've sent to me makes me amply supplied. I have an abundance. Why? Because they were generous. That you've sent, and here's what he calls it. Here's what God thinks of it. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. It's in the imagery of God smelling this and saying, it really smells good to me. It's like a precious sacrifice. And in case you're, you're thinking, well, this was a poor church. How could they afford to, to give? You know what? They really couldn't. They couldn't afford to give. And that's why Paul gives them this promise, verse 19. It's a promise to those who are generous and sacrificial. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You supplied my need. You were thoughtful. You were generous. Please be assured, my God will take care of your needs. Now, that's the church at Philippi. I think they're the example to every church that has ever existed in how to to treat those who are full-time and ministering to them. They couldn't do enough for Paul. They appreciated him. They gave him an abundance. They amply supplied him. They were generous with him. Every church should model themselves after the church at Philippi. Now, as we go back to Matthew chapter 10, we see that Jesus tells his men then, take no money, take no supplies for this missions trip, because you need to learn to trust the Lord to meet your, your needs. And he will meet your need all of your needs through his people. But that leads us to a sixth principle about biblical ministry. Those who minister for Christ must be content with God's provisions. They have to be content. They have to be satisfied with what God does provide. Yes, he provides through his people, but you need to be satisfied with how much or how little he supplies. Matthew 10, 11 says this, and whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. Now, it's very easy to read this verse and say, so what? Go to a place, find lodging, stay there. Far more in this verse than that. In anticipation of their first missions trip, Jesus now tells them that what they should do when they arrive in a town or village. They've now arrived in that town. So he instructs them that when you get there, find out, inquire, ask around who's worthy. By worthy, I take it he means who in that community is a known follower of Jesus Christ, someone with a good testimony. Whoever that is, stay there with them and stay there with them for the duration of your ministry. Now, why did Jesus tell them this? What what possible principle can we apply from this? Well, remember, He's just told the apostles that God will provide for their physical needs through the graciousness of his people because the worker is worthy of his support. And now he wants them to understand how this concept works. How does it work? Once they enter a town or a village, find out who's a believer and stay there. Now, keep in mind, they traveled in pairs of two. 
they, they didn't, it wasn't that all 12 came in one, one place. That, that would be a little bit too much. We're all here. Uh, no, they just came by, by two. And so he said, stay there, the two of you, stay there in that town and stay with the believer in their house. This is how God, he's saying, will provide for your lodging. This is how God will provide for your food. This is how God will provide for your supplies through those who are fellow believers and friends of the gospel. He's just expanding on this concept that the worker is worthy of his support. He's telling them that those who will support them are God's people. So this is what they're practically to do. But there's more to it than this. Notice this. Once they have found a fellow disciple in a town or a village, someone who opened their home to them with hospitality, Jesus said, I'm commanding you, stay at his house until you leave that city. Now, now why were they to stay at his house? Meaning, remain at his house for the duration of your ministry. In other words, they were not to seek better accommodations. They were not to be on the lookout for someone who would treat them with more physical comforts or luxuries. Be satisfied with what God has provided for you. Don't be looking for somebody wealthier in that town to stay with. If you don't like the food where you're staying, don't be distracted by looking for better food somewhere else. If you don't like the way your mattress feels, don't be looking somewhere else to upgrade your accommodations. It's a very important truth. They, they must not allow any greediness to drive them to want more and more to the point where they are distracted from their ministry. Their ministry is not about their creature comforts. Their ministry is about proclaiming the gospel. He wants his men to be satisfied with what he provides for them, not be preoccupied with find, finding upgrades in their lodgings. Satisfaction and contentment is not something that's limited, obviously, to the apostles. God wants all of us to be like that. See, effective ministry to the world is dependent on you and I being satisfied, not only with what God provides, but God himself. With God himself, satisfaction or dissatisfaction makes a very loud statement about how you view God and how you view the ministry. Do you minister to others so that you can get more things out of people? Now, sadly enough, there are a lot of Christian leaders who have allowed the emphasis of their ministry to become fundraising appeals. Now, I don't think it's wrong to make financial needs known about a ministry. I think it needs to be done tastefully. But I don't think it's wrong to make needs known. But I do think it is wrong to be discontent with what God has provided for you and therefore to be distracted from ministry by an unhealthy emphasis on asking for more and more money. And basically, there are, there are a lot of ministries who have become uh, nothing more than huge monetary appeals. That's the majority of what, what they do. That's, they have a little bit of time to convey their message, and they hardly give a message because they're asking so much about money. Be content with what God has given you. Contentment in ministry seems to be and is really, I believe, the primary principle that Jesus wants his apostles to learn from verse 11. It's not limited to the apostles. All of us are to be content. The writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 13. He talks about this very issue. Notice this, Hebrews 13, in verse 5, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. Now, these were people who had property confiscated, who were being persecuted, and the writer says, be content with what you have. For he himself has said, I'll never desert you, nor will I forsake you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid what man can do to me. 
the writer is saying, even if they take all your property away, the Lord's not going to leave you. The Lord will give you exactly what he knows you need. He may not give us all that we want, but he'll give us all that we need. And Paul said he had learned to be content in all things. He had learned the secret of contentment. What is the secret of contentment? Have you ever read that passage and wondered, well, I'd like to know what that secret is. Why is Paul keeping it a secret? He didn't keep it a secret. He told us what it is. What it is is found in verse 13. This is the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now listen, that has nothing to do with uh, getting a base hit on the baseball field or putting a free throw in in a basketball game. It's not about sports. What he's talking about is this. In every situation that God puts me, whether I have a lot of money or very little, I can be content because I know that his grace is sufficient. I can do all things in all circumstances because Christ strengthens me. He'll strengthen me when I don't have much food on the table. He'll strengthen me when I have more food than I need. That's the point. That's, that's Paul's, Paul's point about contentment. Contentment means I am satisfied with the fact that God has given me exactly what he wants me to have, and he'll give me the grace to handle any and every situation. Now, that's the attitude that Jesus instructed all of his apostles to have as he sent them out into the towns and villages of Galilee. But once they established their lodgings in those towns and villages, now they were to embark on their missionary work. Now they were to preach the gospel to the people in the community. And that would result in a lot of different reactions. And it's those various reactions that leads Jesus to give a seventh and a final principle about biblical ministry, of which, Lord willing, we will look at next week. So once again, you get a little teaser to come back. Now let's bow for prayer and consider what our response should be to this passage of Scripture. There are three important questions I want to I ask you. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, we're thinking about what we've just heard. First question has to do with trusting God. Do you trust Him to provide for your needs? Or do you worry? Is it trust or worry? Do you see God as totally sovereign over all the circumstances of life, or do you see him as one who is weak and at the whim of difficulties of life, and therefore he can't get enough money to you if circumstances go bad? See, folks, the issue is, are you trusting the Lord? You don't have to be in full-time ministry to understand that you need to trust God to provide for you. Now, as I said, he may not give you all that you want, but he certainly will give you all that you need. Because God is not only sovereign, he's loving, he's kind, he's wise, he knows what he's doing. So our trust needs to be in him. You need to affirm that. You need to thank the Lord and, and let him know, which he already does know, but for you to express it, that you're trusting in him. And you need to be trusting not in people who give, but in God who gives. Second question has to do with your obedience to financially support those who minister to you as well as, as missionaries on the field. Do you do that? Do you think about that? This is one reason why it's so important to be obedient in the area of regular giving in the context of a local church. Not sporadic giving, not when you feel like giving, but planned regular giving. Because God's plan is to use you to support those who minister to you free of charge. That's why giving to the Lord is to be done in the context of your local church. So I ask you, are you obedient? Have you ever thought about that? Or do you just think, well, 
I know I should, but I, I guess and this is why it's so important. We honor the Lord. We give to him as God's plan is to use what's given to support those who lead you and minister to you. Third question has to do with contentment. Are you content with what God has provided for you? I think all of us struggle at times with contentment. But in God's sovereign plan, we need to recognize he provides more for some and he provides less for others. But he knows what he's doing. Regardless of how much or how little he's provided for you, the issue is contentment. Paul said he had learned to be, be content when he was hungry as well as when he had an abundance and was in prosperity. That needs to be our attitude. But contentment only comes through trusting that God is sovereign, wise, and loving. It's really your view of God. Can you trust him? He's so wise. He's so loving. He'll give you everything he knows you need. Now, if you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord, then you need to understand that God is able to give you what is most important in life, and that's not physical supplies or money. It's the forgiveness of your sin, all of your sin. If you'll repent and trust Christ for your salvation, believing that he died on behalf of sinners on the cross, he, he died for sinners and you're a sinner, if you'll trust Christ to save you, and the Bible says God will forgive your sin, and he will give you eternal life. Now, you need to repent of your sin, turn from whatever you know is wrong, and trust Christ. Not, tr not Christ and religion, not Christ and church, not Christ and, and good deeds, but Christ and his atoning death alone. Nothing else. And the Bible says that Christ will establish a relationship with you that will involve forgiving your sins and taking you to heaven when you die because there's nothing blocking anymore your fellowship with, with the Father. If we can be of any help in this, let us know. Speak to me after, uh, make an appointment, come by sometime. We'll, we'll talk. We want to be able to, to explain the gospel to you. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I thank you for your brilliance. I thank you for the profound truths that are found in, in this passage of Scripture. And I thank you for really how relevant all of these commands really are. And I pray, Lord, that you'll use your words here to not only give us direction for biblical ministry, because there are so many different uh, ministry approaches out there that, that are really based not on Scripture so much, but on practical considerations. I pray that you'll help us to have a biblical ministry here at Lakeside. But also, Lord, I pray for the many full-time workers who will hear these studies, and I pray you'll encourage them. I pray you'll encourage them to trust you. I pray that you'll encourage your people to be sensitive and sacrificial and generous and thoughtful with those who minister to them and to begin to think beyond just the, uh, the bounds of a Sunday morning church service. And Father, we pray for those in our midst who may not know Christ. I pray that you'll draw them to yourself as only you can and, and bring them to salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve's 26-plus years in the ministry of expository preaching is now expanded into the world of radio through these daily classes. It was great to have you with us today. 
If you'd like to know more about how you can be sure that you're going to heaven, give us a call at the number I'll give you in just a minute. Our level of contentment is a critical measure of our trust in Christ. 19th century German inventor Frederick Koenig said, We tend to forget that happiness does not come as a result of getting something we don't have, but rather of recognizing and appreciating what we do have. May the Lord help each of us to have contented hearts. When we learn to thank the Lord for everything, that frees us to follow His will in everything. Today's program was the conclusion of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at one time, you can order a CD or a cassette. Please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That is also the number to call if you would like to know how you can have assurance of eternal life. That number again, 727 727- 4411714 Our website is versebyverseradio.org You can hear today's program again at our website as well as previous classes Once again it's versebyverseradio.org Do you find yourself discouraged by the response of most people when you share your faith with them Rejection hurts especially rejection of the precious message that Jesus gave to us to proclaim. Well, we shouldn't be surprised at rejection. Jesus said it would happen. Sometimes the rejection is even hostile. As Pastor Steve continues this study of Matthew chapter 10 in our next class, Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.